0: Welcome to the Notes with Friends podcast, hosted by me, Jody Moore Lewis, where I interview women, artists, creatives, and entrepreneurs about little notes of life, courage, wisdom, love, and curiosity. Excited for you to join the chat! Hi, everybody! Friday, Friday! Hey, hey, hey! Yes, I'm getting a little weird. <laughs> but when am I not? I'm sorry. I mean, we all have a little weird in us, and I like it that way. It makes life a little more interesting. How's everyone feeling? You know, I feel like Mercury is finally coming out of retrograde. We're through the eclipses. If you didn't know by now, I'm a big moon nerd, astrology woo-woo fan. So, I definitely was feeling it these past few weeks, emotional overload, but it's feeling good. It's feeling good, like I'm coming out of it, learning some hard lessons, a lot that have just been kind of repetitive, but like a different layer of the onion, if that makes sense, and doing another podcast episode. The show was over, the show went amazing, four nights, we sold out all four nights, which is pretty insane uh a lot of amazing feedback and I think that we're planning on doing another one in the fall so stay tuned if you live in Los Angeles for another live show I mean we have time to plan it with the strike going on I am all for it all for the writers guild I am with them but to get to the heart of it I feel like SAG AFTRA itself, my union, the acting union, also needs to strike because something has to shift and change. If you don't know a lot about what's happening, there are a lot of articles out there being written about it. I feel like it's a big reflection of what is happening in a lot of industries, not just the Hollywood industry. But, you know, I have hopes that we will shake it up because we are creative and our voices are needed. If you are a creative Your voice is needed. Please keep standing up and supporting your brothers and sisters in this fight. And I hope that this will have a ripple effect to other industries across the country and in the world. Because it's just not right for all the money to be just sitting at the top. To the people who, you know, aren't even making the content. And we need art. We need these stories. And we need them done by people not by AI, not by robots. I mean, that is what is at stake here. It is terrifying that the corporations don't want to negotiate AI and the advancement of technology. They don't want to put protection in for the writers and they don't want to put protection in for the actors. And they could use our voices, writers' words over and over at their content without paying us for it. And I'm just like, how far away are we getting from connection from the need to have human connection we're so consumed by technology and the advancement of it and like some of it is really cool some of it I'm all for but (laughs) at what extent it just feels so broken and disheartening and I'm really trying to keep my hopes up and just keep fighting because that's all that we can do right now is just be loud make noise and resist to just be a cog in the machine. You know, just being grateful to be a part of something isn't enough. We need to be able to live and survive and take care of ourselves so we can live and survive and take care of others. And I'm hoping that something will shift and change. And it may take a long time. There, You know, I've been hearing chats that the industry may be on hold by the end of the summer, maybe through the fall. But I am all for it and I am with the WGA and I really hope SAG-AFTRA steps up as well because there are a lot of angry actors out there who aren't the 1% who are, are scraping to get by to continue making art and doing what they love and that is, that is not okay. Especially when a select few people are still profiting off the models that are being done right now. So that is me on my soapbox. <laughs> and it kind of goes into today's episode. I had the pleasure of chatting with Tori Janae, who I met uh in 2021 in New York at a film festival. We chat a little bit about that. And she is just such a delightful artist. And we chat a lot about about that, about this online world, about the disconnection. We just talk about art through the online lens. Because when I met her, you know, I did the immediate follow on Instagram. And that's when I started exploring what she did and what she does and how she uses her art and her voice and her words. And I fell in love with that. So that is the beauty of the technological side. But she gets really honest with us about that and and how she feels it's just a surface of her And how she really wants to get back to the slowness of the beauty and joy of life and what that has to offer and what she can in turn create from that. And it's a really beautiful conversation. She's so curious and ask me questions too. So we have a few lovely tangents of just two human beings connecting on art and animals and food. And and it was a lot of fun. Tori Janae, also known as Editorial, is a writer and youth educator who uses art-based facilitation to encourage conversations and develop creative thinking skills. She hosts independent writing workshops in New York with clients that include Meta, Tia Health, Farm to People, and others. You can find her writing in Cosmopolitan or on her website, editorial.com. And here is the captivating, sparkly Tori. Tori, hi. Thank you for joining me all the way from New York. Brooklyn, to be exact. Yes, Brooklyn. Flatbush, to be exact flatbush all right and we met a couple years ago 2021 at the bushwick film festival which was really amazing you were interviewing the filmmakers Mm -hmm. and then i just like thought you were so cool and i started following on instagram and i was like this girl is even cooler than i thought
1: (laughs) thank you i don't know like hopefully i was cooler in person but
0: (laughs) no you were definitely that cool and then it was just like the getting to explore what you do outside of just like interviewing on a red carpet you know Mm -hmm. and that was your first time even doing that
1: Yeah, that was my first time ever doing that. That's sometimes like, well, that is a big part of my personality. I'm like, sure, I've never done this before, but let's give it a go. So, and I loved it. I loved doing the red carpet interviews and I would do it again.
0: Yeah, you're a natural. (laughs) Um, But I want to kind of start at the beginning. You know, I think you are a true artist from everything that you give to your followers and with your workshops, which I'm really excited to dive into as well, because I feel like they're a little newer for you, right? Like there's something you kind of cultivated this past year. Mm -hmm. But I want to start at the beginning with like little Tori, like, what were you like? Did you, were you always kind of creative and wanting to be an artist or kind of what was your journey up to, I guess, moving to New York City and, and doing this sort of self-exploration?
1: Yeah. So I would say that I've always been an artist. I don't think I knew that I was an artist until somewhere in undergrad, maybe like my junior or senior year that I was like, oh, I I think I'm an artist. Like I have these talents and and these passions. Um, But I didn't believe that I was an artist until my like mid to late twenties. So As far as my childhood goes, I was always encouraged um, to explore creatively by my grandmother, by my mom, Um, I had several like practices that I didn't even realize I was developing as a child. I wrote all the time. I was on a cheer team. I was always coming up with like cheers to like present to my team and be like, I think we should do this cheer. Like, you know, I was always come, trying to come up with choreography or um, things of that nature. So I was like developing these skills as a child, but didn't think anything of them um, and I think it's mostly because, well, two reasons. One, I didn't think I was that good at it. It was like, oh, I do this thing, but other people do it better. So I don't know um, if it's if I can, you know, call myself that. Um, and then also because I didn't see any value in it. It was like, I do this thing, but what I mean, what good is it gonna be? Like, what good is it gonna do for me in the long term? So it's like a hobby, it's not necessarily a passion. Um, so yeah, I think I've been creating for most of my life. I've been an artist for, well, you know, all of my life, but it's not a title that, um, I've really given myself permission to use until I was, I was an adult.
0: Yeah. I feel like, and I don't know if this is true for you, but as a fellow artist and actor, sometimes it's like, until you get paid or like, until like, it has like the, monetary reasons you're like okay then that's a viable career but when it's not mm-hmm. it's kind of hard you feel like an imposter and you're like how can i call myself that if i'm not like you know when, when you're comparing especially in the online world i know i've definitely mm-hmm. been and still kind of struggle with that myself i don't know yeah if i actually
1: even like I listened to a podcast by Amanda Seals. It's called Small Doses. And she has an episode where she literally says like, you are not this thing until you get paid for it. And I was like, oh yeah, maybe that's true. And I remember getting paid $50 to do like a performance of something that I wrote. And I was like, hey, $50. Like I'm finally this thing. I got paid for it. (laughs) And so what if it's only $50? Like this makes me so much more like legit legitimate and I i don't know if I fully believe that anymore. I think even if I hadn't gotten paid to do that performance, even if I had signed up to like do an open mic or signed up for, to do that performance for free, I still would have been an artist. I still would have been a performer regardless of whether or not I got the $50.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised Amanda says that I feel like she would be like own like it's just a label like I actually listened to a podcast with Cleo Wade the poet Mm -hmm. um it was on more than one thing by Athena Calderon if that's how you say her last name she's a chef interior designer but Cleo was saying that she when she her she had a boyfriend in DC and she'd go to like all these political parties and they'd be like so what do you do and she's like I'm a poet. And they're like, but how do you make money? And even though she wasn't like she didn't have her books or anything like that, I think maybe she was working a quote unquote nine to five job. But she was like, but I don't subscribe to that. I'm a poet. It doesn't matter where my money comes from. And I was like, oh, that's such a great way.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I need to maybe listen to that podcast because I still find myself getting choked up when people ask me that. I hate when people ask me what I do. Like, it just gives me so much anxiety. And like my, so my partner works in animation and he and he works in a studio and people ask what he does and he has this very like definitive answer. And I'm always like, oh, this guy's a real artist. Like, you know, and then people will turn to me and be like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> and he's very sweet about it He he's usually like well she does this and she does that and she does this and sometimes it feels better to hear someone else say it because sometimes I feel kind of silly saying it I'm like oh well I encourage people to doodle and um I write poems every now and then and um that's about it you know
0: <laughs> Well, you're very uplifting, and we need it. And I feel like you're always constantly reinventing yourself in your art. So I guess we really haven't really laid out what exactly you do as an artist. So it kind of started with writing, right?
1: Yes, it did start with writing. And writing has been something that has been... um, influential throughout my entire life. Like I mentioned, I used to write cheers for my cheer team. I used to write songs when I was younger and and, and I still do. It's more of a private practice, but it did start with writing. Um and it grew into so much more. And I think writing just gave me the confidence to explore um, other creative outlets and not even just explore other creative outlets, but to take them seriously and to believe that I am good at them at every stage. And so it started with writing and me sharing my writing on um, Instagram, which is the platform that I preferred at the time. And at the time, I was just writing poetry. Like, I was writing poetry, and then I did. A, I studied abroad in London for a little bit, and I was like, um, can I swear? Oh, please. I love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I have a bit of a potty mouth, but... I was studying abroad in London. I was like, fuck it. I don't know anybody out here. Like, I'm going to start performing because if I embarrass myself, I'm literally in another country and, like, I can leave it all here if I need to. So I started performing spoken word. And then I was like, that's it. I'm a poet. I'm a poet. You know, I'm, I'm going to stick to that. And then I took a course um, with the Brooklyn Writers Collective. And Molly, who is the the instructor there, she was like, you know, I love that you do the poetry thing. It's really beautiful, and your words are so intentional. But you're so funny. Like you're so funny in real life, and I don't hear any of that in your pieces. Like maybe you can introduce some of your personality into your work. And I was like, mm, eh, maybe. And then I just started writing short stories about my life, and and then I kind of transitioned into um, a bit of a comedy writer. And now when I perform, it is these like comedic stories about my coming of age that are embarrassing but also like uplifting so yeah that's that's that wasn't brief but that's a little bit about what I do no you
0: don't have to be brief also I was like I'm giving you that anxiety written question that you literally were just like I hate what people ask you what I do but I'm like well <laughs> yeah. we could just kind of break it down because I want people to get to know you and adore you like for people who don't know you because right. I feel like your Instagram I mean that's the platform I follow you on um but it's such a wealth of like you you do bring your humor and you do bring your beauty to your words and I also love how you encapsulate encapsulate the vision of your words like you also do videos alongside a lot of them and um so but I kind of want to circle back to when you started performing and doing spoken word and do you do you think having like kind of that cheerleading background that give you a little bit of like momentum to be like well let's try this i did it before with that like maybe i have this presence on stage or where did you feel like that confidence came from um
1: so i would love to say that it came from cheer and maybe (laughs) to some degree it did but not in any way that i was fully aware of Uh, i always felt so nervous before cheerleading or before any kind of performance I always felt so nervous and self-conscious and 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 I do still feel that way before stepping on a stage now like nerves are normal but what I would say really encouraged me to start performing is um so I I was a camp counselor actually at a summer camp in Maine and that just awakened um I don't even want to call it a confidence it just awakened a curiosity in me and um and this energy that really encouraged me to explore the arts like and and give myself that chance to be an artist so at this camp i was an arts counselor and i worked with high school students and other um, counselors who were also artists and they just were so unapologetic about their expression and it really just gave me this really comfortable space in which I could explore. And so I started writing songs then and and we would have these jam sessions and I would sing with them and I would write poems. And one of my closest friends, her name was Mimi and she was a poet and she was just so proud of what she did. And that camp really just was life-changing for me because I left it feeling like no I am this thing and and I went right from the camp to London so I was already like hyped up on this energy like yeah I got it you know like I'm about to go out there and show the world that I can write a few things so I was already hyped up on it and then I was in this place for the strangers so I was like there is no better time for me to step into this identity than now.
0: So cool I love how like all these little things kind of threaded. And, and even if they weren't, you weren't necessarily going into it for this sort of specific kind of growth, it was able to feed you in a way that you never knew and were able to use later on. I think that's what I think that's really cool. Like, I feel like people shy away from so many little things when it's just like, if you just try it, which you said at the beginning, you kind of just do, you never know what what gifts it can give you
1: yeah you never know, and it was that is something that I was a bit insecure of at first, because you know that saying it's like um like jack of all trades, but master of none. I mm. always felt that way about myself because I'm such a curious person, and I will sit down and say like I'll watch a stop motion film and be like, Oh I wonder if I could do stop motion and then I spend the next week like you know trying to learn how to do this thing, and so I felt I felt bad about it at first. I'm like, damn, like, you know, maybe if I just stuck to one thing, I'd be really good at that thing. And then people will respect me for being really good at that thing instead of like being kind of okay at everything. But I'm really learning to embrace that curiosity because it's put me in a place where I'm able to evolve. Like, you know, you mentioned in the beginning um, how I show up on Instagram. And in the beginning, it was purely writing. It was like me posting selfies of myself and being like, uh, hopefully you read the caption, you know, because (laughs) I put a lot of effort into this. And then it was like me exploring, like with video editing and saying, seeing like, Oh, like what happens, you know, when I apply these words to video. And then I was like, "Mm, I don't know about the video anymore. Like maybe I want to perform. Like maybe I want to get on a stage and, you know, see what that experience is like. And now I'm like, what if I can do animation and I've been doing these little short animations that truly look like a child made it but I'm like I'm I fuck with it like you know it's fun and it's a new outlet and it ultimately helps me you know evolve in my craft
0: yeah 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 Okay, sorry. I'm just like always in awe of everything you say. I'm like, yep, yep. (laughs) Okay, move move the interview along. I think for me too, like, you know, this is my first time even interviewing people. And I just, I really wanted to talk with other women about their lives and stuff. And there was a bit of that for me, like, who am I? Like, people might be doing this better. But I'm also like, I could learn so much and I'm going to keep learning and evolving along the way through each episode through each interview. Mm. And it's also feeding me in like other ways with like storytelling and acting and learning about editing and, and, um,
1: what has been like your favorite, um, part of the process of interviewing and also how many interviews have you done so far? Well, you're my six. This is episode six.
0: Um, and I, I'm going to have 10 for this first season. I think my favorite thing has been falling in love with like the research again. I, f- I felt at, like last year, just, I felt kind of stuck. Like I was kind of needing to find a new way to dive in. And, and then I had this idea of just like talking to other people selfishly that inspire me yeah. Um, but and that will hopefully, you know, infiltrate others, but it made me just fall back in love with, with the diving in of researching someone's life and, and, and what they have to bring to the table and also mm-hmm. with like my listening and, mm-hmm. and trust in myself that I can, you know, do this
1: yeah, and create this. Yeah, you can do it and you can create it and you're already in the process of it. And if I could give you any like um, homework, Please. I was, Please. I'm, I'm going to give it to you because I've done this before and I think it's, it's really fun. So during the pandemic, I did this thing where I would go live and play we're not really strangers. Have you heard of that game? No. Oh my gosh. Okay, you have to you have to look into it and then if you feel like it buy it. But so it's like a card game, it's like a conversation card game, and there's three levels. And as you advance in each level, the conversation gets more intimate. And so the first level is very surface level. And it's like, what's your first impression of me? And then the third level was like, you think I cheated on anybody before? You know, so it
0: just- (laughs) (laughs) pulling (laughs) it out. I
1: love it. Yeah, So it gets more and more intense. But during the pandemic, I did this thing where I would just go- on Instagram live and play with strangers I would just play we're not really strangers with strangers and it taught me so much about what you're saying like just having honest conversation with people and just making connection with people and seeing what comes out of it like no agenda no it's not attached to anything I'm not trying to like build something it's like I'm just trying to talk to someone and and see you know what their life is like compared to mine okay
0: okay I'm going to go buy this, buy this game uh, sometime after this conversation. <laughs> and everyone needs this. I feel like you need this at your parties and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I force everyone to play it. So there are probably, people around me are probably like, girl, we're done. It's like, we did it. We know you. We don't need to know anymore, you know? So.
0: <laughs> well, and social media seems to be like a big part of how you express your art. I mean, you've written I for cosmopolitan about insecure, which is an amazing show. And that was like a very fun kind of humorous, but also honest um, story that you wrote. And I, um, you've written for some other websites as well. But I know that you do a lot on social media. So how do you kind of keep up with feeling authentic and and vulnerable but do you have a way also to kind of separate yourself from
1: social media as well um yeah so I'm currently in um that new stage of like evolution for me in my relationship to social media because it was you know the first place that I um shared my work it was the first place that I allowed myself to say out loud hey you know I can do this thing I have thoughts and ideas that I want to share with you and it was really rewarding and and I don't want to dismiss the positive influence that it has had on my life like or or on my creative practice uh, to be more specific but now I'm in a place where I'm like I really want to focus on um, the work and which, I mean, everyone says they want to do the work, the work, the work, the work. So let me be more specific. I want to focus more on writing and writing things that um, feel good to me, that feel like a true reflection of my craft, because I can say upfront that the work that I share on social media is just the surface for me. And that, you know, the work that I share when I perform in New York or when I'm in writing retreats or writing workshops, it is so much more, uh, there's so much more depth and there's so much more um, like story there. And I just haven't found out the best way like to present that on social media because it feels so transactional sometimes because it feels so temporary sometimes. And I'm like, I really care about these stories. Like I really care about, you know, this part of my work. And I don't know if I, if I've figured out how to truly, incorporate that into social media so there is some dissonance there mostly now I find myself showing up to encourage people to come to um, my writing workshops because that it seems like a good tool for that but I I don't know if I necessarily think that is the best tool to um, continue sharing my writing as it evolves all right Well, good good
0: to know because now we can follow you elsewhere or just like try, I need to come to New York and take one of your journaling workshops. And I want to kind of chat about that because that's kind of like your new labor of love, but it's something, a practice that you've done for yourself and you wanted to share with others.
1: Yes, Yes, it is a practice that I've had um, since I was a little girl. And before I even realized it was a practice, it was, I I have these old uh, like, composition notebooks where if you go through the pages you can just read these really melodramatic teenage stories where it's like so and so didn't talk to me today and (laughs) I don't know if it's because I wore the wrong shoes you know (laughs) so I've always had this practice but it wasn't until I was in college and um one of my best friends at the time she gifted me this journal it was 365 pages like in this journal and it was meant for you to write every single day and i was really sad and you know going through a bit of a depression and i was like you know what i'm gonna do this like i'm going to write every single day and see where that takes me and so when i get to the end of this year i'll have this beautiful reflection of you know one chapter in my journey. So, I did it, and I wrote, and you know, as I was writing, I was like, "Um, oh, I don't want to write every day. How can I like switch this up?" So then I started doodling or painting or collaging, um just to give myself some room to you know explore and Then I got to the end of the journal, and I went back to read it, and I was like, "My God, this is the most depressing." story because I realized I'm only doing this thing when I'm really sad like I'm only journaling when I'm at my lowest moments and so then I was like I need to figure out how to make this experience more playful and of course there is still room for you know those heavy emotions the sadness and the anger but I have to remember to do this in like my happy moments too And so I built out this really beautiful journaling practice that incorporates some of the like most important moments of my life, whether it be relationships that I have with friends or family or just personal creative practices that bring me joy. And then I was like, oh man, I wonder how I can introduce this to other people so that they can have this healing practice really that reminds them to incorporate fun into their life reminds them to incorporate lightheartedness into their life and acknowledges that that same practice can still be you know equally as influential as the deep heavy shallow work as well I love that oh yeah I'm
0: I, when I come to New York I'm gonna be like are you doing a workshop? If not, can I just come over and do a journal session with you?
1: (laughs) And you could. I do that too. Like I I have friends over in my apartment and I have all of these journals that just stay in my apartment. So when you flip through the pages, it's like different entries from different friends who have been over. Um, But I do that. I host friends like at my place all the time and we do workshop like journaling activities and it is, it's super cute. So if you are in New York, you're welcome to come. Yes, I have not been since
0: 2021, so I, it's time to go back. It is yes, time to go back. back. Now, you are you are a big practicer or advocate for Adrian Marie Brown's pleasure activism. Is this kind of how a lot of your playfulness with your art, playfulness with yourself, your unapologetic way of self-expression, like you mentioned earlier, you were inspired by other people being like that. I feel like you kind of emulate that as well how is that kind of incorporated into your practice and
1: yeah so i read pleasure activism and it truly you know radicalized my perspective on um activism and what it what the importance of joy and so i think as many other women of color black women i was a, like introduced to this concept of activism through these narratives that like, you know, of of pain and suffering and struggle. And while those are real life experiences that people go through, it it was heavy. It was heavy for me to carry and it left me in a really like angry place. And I walked around with all of this tension that I didn't know how to release, but I also felt like it was, like, important to have that, like, tension, and that if I wasn't angry, then I wasn't, like, you know, committed to the cause, or, you know, I wasn't doing, you know, quote, unquote, the work, and so when I read Pleasure Activism, it was, it was this permission to prioritize joy um, in a way that just relieved me of a lot of that weight, and it took me back to a conversation that I had when I was in grad school with an advisor at the time. And I was sitting in his office and I was just crying, crying, crying and being like, This is just too hard. And you know, all everything that I'm learning is too much and and is paralyzing me. And he was like, You gotta find, you gotta find a space for joy. And I just pushed it to the back of my mind because I'm like, I got to find a way to graduate. That's why I need to find. Like, I don't need to have time for joy. Like I need to graduate and keep it moving. But when I read that book, I was like, ah, oh, this is what he was talking about. Like, I have to prioritize joy and I have to recognize that, you know, joy is radical and joy is transformative. And that when you bring people into a space to, you know, share that joy collectively, then they're they're changed by that. They're transformed by that, especially if you bring, you know, people from different backgrounds, different walks of life into a space and allow them to experience joy together. That is, quote unquote, the work. That is a part of this work. And so now that is... Um, um, just a major priority in my life of just finding spaces in which people can laugh together because the thing is like every workshop that I do at the end of it someone comes up to me and says like wow I didn't realize, you know, how healing this would be. Like I thought I was going to come in here and like cry and it was going to be really hard and emotional and tough, but like I laughed and I played and I feel really good afterwards. And don't get me wrong, sometimes people cry because the thing is when you create a space where people feel comfortable enough to laugh with each other to share stories with one another then people feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable with one another and then there is someone who was like actually you know while we're laughing let me just mention that I'm going through a tough time you know and I'm glad that we're here laughing together because it's helping me so pleasure activism like I Adrienne Brown is such a role model for me. She's such an influence in my life. I actually had a period where um one of my journals, because I title a lot of my journals, the title of one of my journals was Do You Have a Moment to Talk About My Lord and Savior Adrian Marie Brown? Because <laughs> she just truly introduced me to a perspective that changed me.
0: Cause yeah, I, I agree like not many ways of teaching, especially in this new kind of like self-help manifestation kind of woo-woo, which I do subscribe to some stuff. It's fun. But yeah, <laughs> it does get a little heavy. And it is like a lot about embracing a lot of pain and 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 having to I mean, and I know it's very different. I'm speaking as a as a white woman, but just a lot of spaces do kind of want you to open up the the pain a lot more than the joy when they really
1: sit side by side exactly yes and that they and they inform each other like you don't know one without the other and so if you hyper focus on either you're you're not in a good position and I'm not saying go out in the world and everything is sunshine and rainbows every single day and you completely ignore like you know pain and struggle and sacrifice because that's not a realistic reality as well but you you need joy like you need joy in your life in the same way that You know, you need a little sadness sometimes. They inform each other. You wouldn't know one without the other. Yeah,
0: yeah. If you've seen Inside Out, Pixar, that's what (laughs) we learned.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love that movie, and I'm like, I'm a moody ass person. Like, I'm a Cancer, (laughs) and to the T. And so, I'm a very like, if I'm sad, I'm like if I'm sad the light in the room just like turns blue and then like rain starts falling on the window and I'm just like I'm sitting in this and everybody's gonna know I'm sad but when I'm happy like I I feel it and I allow myself to feel it and sometimes I'm hanging out with my friends and I'll just scream like I love my life (laughs) because I'm like no I I feel this and I want to own it. I want to allow myself to express this kind of a joy. I don't want to police it and hide it from everyone else.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. More joy, everyone. Tori says it here. <laughs> Bring it into your life. Um, so outside of, of like your artistic self-expression and your journaling and all that, What are other ways you find joy? I know like on your Instagram, one, you are a certified booty shaker twerker, like you've written (laughs) articles about it, how important it is to you as a woman of color uh, for your ancestry, also as like another pleasure practice. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you speak on dancing or can you also speak on maybe some other modalities of like how you bring joy into your life or pleasure?
1: Yeah, I can start with dancing. Dancing is, the place where i feel most powerful where i feel most joyful where i feel um you know sexy and just great in my body and it has always been a practice um that has allowed me to um you know be one with my body without worrying about the outside world. I dance almost every single day, if not every day. Um, And it has been one of the most healing practices as of recently, you know, there were periods in my life in which I did feel a little bit um, self-conscious about it after I internalized these outside perspectives of what it meant to dance the way that I dance and being able to like reclaim that um, power for myself and say like you know what no I feel good when I move my body this way I feel empowered when I move my body this way that has been such an important um, healing practice for me because now I can go to the beach in the morning and put my headphones on and just dance and, and and not care that there are other people on the beach like you know or I can go out with my friends and dance at a party and not worry about what anyone else is thinking of me and I really I talk about it openly because I want others to feel the same way because it's always so disheartening when you know, you're having a conversation with someone and they're like, oh, I can't dance. And it's like, well, you can dance. Everyone can dance. It's just maybe you don't like dancing in front of other people, or maybe you're not confident in the way in which you dance, but you can dance. And I always ask them like, well, when you're at home, do you dance when you're at home? And almost always they're like, well, yeah, I dance at home. But it's like, okay, so then you can dance. You can dance. Like, don't worry about what other people are thinking about your dancing Worry about how it makes you feel. So dancing is a huge one for me. I also, I also like to cook. I am or bake to be more specific. I am like my mom calls me sometimes, and she'll call me like Betty Crocker or like Martha Stewart because I'm <laughs> always in the kitchen. And this is for my Love and Hip Hop girls. There's this episode of Love and Hip Hop. <laughs> this is episode of Love and Hip Hop where this character, her name's Jocelyn, she comes into this woman's house whose name is Mimi. And she walks in and she's like, I see you got your maid outfit on like you always do. Hey, maid. So sometimes my mom will call me and I'll be in the kitchen like baking bread and she'll be like, hey, (laughs) maid. So yeah, that is another thing that I've and that I haven't prioritized in so long. So it feels so good to um, be doing that again, to be making bread and cupcakes and pies and things of that nature.
0: I also love to dance and I'm going to class again tonight. I haven't danced since November. So I'm excited to go back and get back into it. What kind of class? What kind of style? Um, This is a hip hop class. I like hip hop and jazz the best. Yeah. But there's a spot near me that does hip hop. And I was like, I've not danced since November. That's insane. I need to get back into it.
1: Um, Like not at all or just not a choreography class?
0: Not a choreography class. Yes. Yes. I've definitely done. But i've definitely done like around my house you know You, you when you play good music you gotta move i totally agree i also wanted to say when you were mentioning um how people say they can't dance i you do hear that very often people are very quick to say it and it reminded me like i've been listening lately about just um i don't know i guess like the human condition and how tied we are to like the beginning days you know how we've evolved but not really evolved but how dance the expression of dance is so important in like group settings like like we were kind of built to always move our bodies and celebrate in pleasurable ways with nature with um with the elements you know around fires like we're moving our bodies or we're chanting and we're singing and and we do kind of lose that now yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, you look at babies, like you play music around babies. They don't even know what dances are. They're just bopping. They're like, yes. I have a like emotional response to this so much, like, and there's so much emotion that I just want to use my body to express it. And so I don't think that people lose that or forget it. I think they just become ashamed of it. And and they think, oh, because I can't dance in this particular way then I can't dance. But no, everyone dances differently. Like, you know, sure, there are like, there's choreography. Maybe you can't pick up on choreography, but you can dance. Like you can move your body. You can have a response to music and it doesn't have to look like someone else's response. Just just do it. Just let yourself yes. feel it. And if you don't want to do it in, in public, that's one thing. But I would like encourage you to question why? Like, is it because... I really can't do this thing or is it because I'm a little worried about what someone else will think of me if I do it. And if you're worried about what someone else will think of you, then question that too. Why do you care if someone like, you know, doesn't think you can whip and nae like, you know, care. <laughs> <laughs> do whatever you want with your body. <laughs> yes
0: yes oh my gosh the best advice mic drops are like happening right here on on notes with friends i'm honored (laughs) to have all this advice given to me i'm like oh gosh i cannot wait for people to listen um what do you what has been like okay let's start with the joy what has what are you you, right now are you most proud of would you say it's like within your artistic career Mm -hmm. with your point like was has there been like a moment Um, or a certain project or anything that you've just been like, wow, I fucking did this. And I'm so proud of
1: it. Yeah, I would say my journaling workshops, I've been doing them for about a year now. And I, last year I had a goal to host one. I was like, let me just see what happens if I do one. And I set that goal because I felt so tied to social media and, it didn't feel good. I was like, ah, I don't want this to be my life. I don't want to be like sucked into this virtual world where it's all about numbers and content and, uh, you know, all of these things that aren't even tangible. And so I wanted to find a way to, you know, create community to connect with people in real life to, you know, create with people in real life and so I set out to do just the one workshop I'm like if I can do one this year I'll that will be fine and now I do them monthly and it has been such a joy like it, it has been such a joy to see how it evolves it's been such a joy to see people show up more than once to like want to do this thing again um So yeah, I, and and I think about that often. I think about and I say to myself, like, man, girl, I'm really proud of you. And that's something that has always been hard for me to do, especially when it was attached to art or writing. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll write an essay and I still won't feel proud of it. I'll be like, mm, okay, well, I just did this thing, but this I really feel proud of, like you know. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I'm connecting with real people and that, you know, the experience is beyond myself. So much of my creativity has been an isolated experience. It's been me cooped up in my room, three o'clock in the morning, typing on a laptop. And it is just really refreshing to sit down with a group of people and laugh with them and, you know, create art with them. That's, yeah, it, it is, I think...
0: That's. I think as an artist, especially, yeah, there is a lot of lonely time and it's nice that you were able to be like, allow this thing to bloom and trust that this idea was going to bring about like community and, you know, let's try it. I enjoy it. Other people have to enjoy it. And share the things that you've been intimate with with others. That's really beautiful. Sorry, I got distracted because my cat was trying to get my water.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wait, is she nearby? Can I see her? Oh, this is Callie. Oh my gosh, she's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh wow. How long have you had a cat?
0: Um. So this is. I have two. We got them
1: yeah i have two i don't know
0: where dale dale is but this is the little one uh or the one that came in here uh she is 10 but
1: we got her at two so we've had her for eight years oh my gosh yeah. so you are a cat person, not a dog person
0: well i think just living in a city it just feels easier like <clears throat> back in 2015 um my husband and i were just like we really wanted pets and cats just felt like a little more doable
1: mm-hmm. and then we got
0: two <laughs> Because we were like, wait, they need to be friends. Um, Because I love dogs, but I just know they're a lot more work. And our cats, well, we lucked up. They actually kind of like are obsessed with us too. So they're like really cuddly. They're not like super like, I want to be alone. But they Mm -hmm. still, you know, are cats. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so, but I do love dogs. And I think one day we will. But just like small apartments, I would want a bigger dog. And I would feel bad having that in like a small apartment,
1: you know? Well, you're wise and responsible. My partner and I are actually talking about get a, getting a dog and I'm, I'm like really growing excited about it. Like at yeah. first I was like, oh, I don't know, I, same thing. I was like, we got a small apartment, a city, it's going to be a lot of work. But now I'm like up at three o'clock in the morning, like Googling dog breeds, like what kind of dog breeds shut the fuck up at night? You know, like <laughs> you know? I like doing all of this research, the important have- research. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> to try and find like the perfect dog breed for us to get we're actually thinking about fostering because you a lot of shelters like you can foster dogs yeah. what the experience is like so I, I think we're, we'll start there and see how it goes
0: that'll be good I mean trust me I think if I had a dog it'd be like oh I'm such a dog person like you could totally do it in a small apartment I don't get why people say you can't but I don't so <laughs> <laughs> I'm like cats but um, I do think cats get a bad rep so I try to advocate for them.
1: I grew up with so many pets, cats, dogs, rats, rabbits, like bunny. Well, rabbits and bunnies are the same thing, but anything. My grandma worked <laughs> I was like kids.
0: rabbits, bunnies, yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, I just, my family had a lot of pets, so.
0: Cool, yeah, we, we, I just had cats actually. And that was, that's just been my life. So I think I also kind of fear maybe having a dog because I've never had a dog. So there might okay. be some of that in there too. Okay, well, but I always love my friend's dogs. Maybe one day, maybe one day. I definitely want one one day. I think it'd be really cool to like take the dog with me somewhere. Like, I think it's so cool. You can just take your dog with you anywhere. Yeah. My cat's not I, so much.
1: No, the cat's not so much, but I fully plan on being one of those people who bring their dog everywhere. And you can hate me for it if, if you want, but that's your business, not mine. I just have to invest in like training because nobody wants their dog to be out there embarrassing themselves. It's like when your kid throws a temper tantrum in the grocery store. It's like, Oh, that one's not mine. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully it's well behaved.
0: That that you definitely could like that. I remember at the vet Callie, the one I just showed you, she can be a little feisty. She's a diva. She just has boundaries. She just like has very finite boundaries. And um, I think she like what does she do exactly? Probably hissed or something at the vet. And I remember the vet like telling us about it. And I'm like, really? She doesn't like do that at home. You know, like a parent when like you hear like your kid does something bad at school and you're like, they, little William doesn't (laughs) act that way at home. I'm, I'm so confused about this behavior. I totally felt like that. And I'm like, oh my God, is that the type of mother I'm going to (laughs) be?
1: No, you're like, it must be you. It must yeah. absolutely be you, the trained, licensed professional, because yeah. it absolutely was not my cat. You didn't
0: provoke her? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I'm really happy to see your journey with, with your pet if you um, post your little babe online or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe it will inspire yeah. some new creative ideas. I'm going to be like a one of those child actor moms where I'm like... <laughs> That's
0: it. Hey, no. you could book some Purina commercials. I
1: probably could.
0: I probably could. You never know. I mean, they do sometimes want like people that are dog owners. If you, need, <laughs> if you need to, you know, add something else to your list.
1: Right. I'll keep a mental note.
0: Um, what what would you say? So that was like what you're most proud of. What do you is there like a moment in your life that you felt um, was like the biggest challenge that looking back, you're like, because of that, it made me a stronger woman or a stronger artist or like it was a valuable lesson. But in the moment, it felt like, why am I going up against this? This feels so mm-hmm. hard or like makes me doubt myself or give up myself. Have you Did you ever experience any kind of moment like that?
1: Um, I think I'm experiencing that moment right now, especially as I'm trying to create distance between myself and social media because it feels like such a, a mandatory tool for artists and creatives, especially if you're doing it on your own. Like I'm a freelance artist. I don't work for you know a company or corporation or anything like that. I like create every opportunity for myself. And so social media feels so... Important, but at the same time it it feels like it weighs me down and so I have you know created some distance between myself and and social media, but in the back of my head, I'm like, what are you doing like what are you doing you're gonna you know you've worked so hard at building this thing that has provided you with so many opportunities but in the same breath it feels like it is um Kind of hindering me and, and, and preventing me from really doing um the kind of work that i want to do and and i am i'm nervous about it i'm i'm not fully confident in it but i know that i have to lean in the direction of what i'm passionate about and i have to um, do what i feel like is right for me even if it's scary Um, that's actually, I once asked my mom, like what her favorite thing about me was. And she was like that you do things even when you're afraid. And so I would say I'm in that moment right now where I'm just like, I want to get away from this thing. I don't want to be tied to, you know, the pressures of social media, but I'm a little nervous about what the consequences of that are. Yeah, it's, it feels, it's, if
0: it, I mean, you put it so beautifully and I feel like I have such a love-hate relationship with social media. Like, I really, like, you know, I that's how, I mean, I fell in love with you in person, but I also was like, um, loved what you were sharing. Um, so there will be a little grief, but I completely understand. But like other people, like I do, under, uh, I do love when I see other people share themselves, but yeah. I have such a weird thing about doing it for me. Like I love when I do it, but then I'm like, well, is this too much or like, is it what I want to share? Like, um, you know, it, I just feel like it's like, it's supposed to just be once again, a joyful thing, a joyful, pleasureful platform of just fun. But it, with the weight of having a business and, and needing to be relevant consistently and putting yourself out there and trying to stay, like trying to create, like keep your followers interested or, you know, it, it does get this, this like morphed villain head. And you're like, I don't even want to deal with you, but I don't even know how to like, what is life without social media? Everything, everybody has a social media. The mom and pop down the street has a social media. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I hope that you teach a workshop about that too. Like, what is it like <laughs> to explore ourselves outside of social media or something? Because that has been kind of our lives for a decade now. Instagram's been around for a decade.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it has changed so much in that time. And if I figure out, you know, how to, you know, master life without it, I will let you know. I'll send you like snail mail because I will know how an Instagram account. Beautiful.
0: Oh, the written letter. So what are you inviting in more? You said you're wanting to, you know, do more Uh, I don't even know, do we touch base? Like, what are you other, like, are you trying to invite in more workshops or are you just kind of letting it in? Like what, seeing how this is feeling and going in that direction?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely keeping up with the workshops and I'm just hoping to create a sustainable path for it so that I can continue, um, you know, doing that work and then but also making time to do some passion projects like I said a lot of the writing that I feel most connected to I just haven't figured out the best way to deliver it or 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 committed enough time to uh, developing the best way to deliver it because I'm so wrapped up in you know the game of social media so what I'm hoping for myself as time goes by is that i will be less connected to you know the rat race and more connected to um just my my own creative expression
0: yeah well i'm excited to see what you do next
1: whatever that may
0: be can i have you um Read. Speaking of social media, can I have you read a couple of posts of yours that I really truly loved at some of your your poems that you put on your Instagram? I pulled so many, so I'm like, let me just have her not do so- <laughs> all
1: of them. This is exciting. No one's ever asked me to do this before, so that's fun.
0: Oh, really? I really loved this one. I don't know what your the title was, but I called it Laughing with God.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah, I can read this. Did you like that one? Or where did this one come from? Um, So this one came from, so I had, I think this is a couple years ago. Um, Well, it's 2022, but I probably wrote this maybe closer to 2021. And it came from the time I spent with my nephew. So I have a nephew and... He was maybe four or five at the time. And I learned so much from him about creativity and um, artistry because he was just full of confidence, even though he had no skills. Like, you know, he was like four years old. Well, I won't say that he didn't have any skills, but like, you know, he wasn't, you know, Professional artist in any way. He was just like, I like doing this thing, so I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to celebrate myself for doing it. He used to do this thing where he would complete a task and then afterwards he'd be like, Yay, I did it. I did it. And I'm like, wow, this is the kind of energy I need to incorporate into my life. Why am I not this celebratory of even the small things? and so I learned a lot from him, and, and I, this came out of that experience because I'm like, oh, you know, I probably was, when I was younger, I probably had this kind of confidence, where did it go? Um, okay, so I'll read, I'll read this piece, it's, it's short. Someone once told me that when we are younger, we can hear the voice of God. As we age, we are introduced to the voices of the world. Amongst the noise, God grows quiet. There are nights when I begin to second guess. Anxiety, spinning, pin needles in my chest. I convince myself that I am ugly, unobtainable, unloved. I cry until I hear a voice that whispers, sleep. Reminds me I can start again tomorrow. That's how I know she's within me. The little girl who spent her days laughing with God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, And a lot about what you said, I think a lot of our conversation that kind of ties into it, how sometimes we build up a lot of shame around the things that really brought us so much joy. And you Mm -hmm. so beautifully put that into words, like the pins and needles, like I could
1: feel, you can feel that. The pins and needles, for anyone who's ever had, so I have anxiety attacks, like, and it's like this really ugly like moment where I'm hyperventilating and like drooling at the same time. But the kind of side effect after it fades is that your face tingles. Like it, it's like, you know, when your foot falls asleep and it feels like mm-hmm. pins and needles in your foot, it feels like that in my face. So I, I think that is kind of the visual that I'm trying to, trying to get out there where it's just like, oh, this is a deep discomfort. Um, that that I don't know if I you know want to hold on to. I also loved
0: absolutely loved the Fun. imagery you um... have a what <laughs> this, this is, is for so... your love.
1: Yeah this is for my love. <laughs> but it I, feels um...
0: so much like how we all feel with our love or mm-hmm. should feel.
1: Is this yeah. too intimate to read? Out no, now? no, I can read okay. it. And, and and it's attached to this conversation that I'm having where I'm like, oh, I want to get off of this platform. Um, but yes, I, I know. I hope
0: I'm not making it harder.
1: No, <laughs> no, no, no. This is actually really fun. I've never, you know, done an interview like this where people encourage me to read some of the writing. And it's fun because I haven't read some of this in, in a while, you know, and, and I have like a habit of just putting things out there and then just not returning to it. So it's nice to... Um, give it a second look. Okay, I'll read this one. I don't want Instagram. I want a garden. I don't want headlines. I want a home. I want to wake up in the morning besides the person that I love and make them Dutch babies in cast iron pans. I want a backyard filled with cousins, card tables, and coolers, ice bags from the corner store crashing into concrete, the smell of salines charcoaling on a grill. At 18, I ran away from all the things that made me, just to see what I could make of myself. Now, I write in tiny bedrooms the stories of a place that turned me into someone who others asked to speak. To them, I complain of everything I've gained and how it's nothing compared to what I already had. Oh, that was was actually... I
0: like that one. <laughs> that one's so good. I have it saved. I was like, I feel like I've saved like several of yours. So I went back through my saved um, Instagram posts and I found them.
1: Yeah. Um, that, that one, this comes from this, that rat race that I'm telling you about where I just got sucked into this like world of like. Next goal, next goal, next accomplishment, next thing. And it's never good enough. You know, you're like, oh, I got to do this and I want to be this and I got to, am I, is my work even valid if I don't have this accomplishment or this award? And I was like, man, I don't, I don't even know why I'm chasing after these things when none of them make me feel the way being with family makes me feel. None of them makes me feel the way like, being in love makes me feel so that that one is really that one really hits home for me because I feel like I'm still in that place I'm still in this place of being like like how do I step away from all of this like kind of all of these distractions and you know step into the things that make me feel good like baking bread on the weekend which sounds crazy which sounds crazy especially like when we're in this era of like you know, grind culture, girl boss culture. And it's like, I almost feel like, you know, there's some shame when I'm like, I just kind of want to make some cookies, girl. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? When I, I was like, some housewife shit. <laughs> yeah. when I'm like, and I joke with my friends all the time. I'm like, I'm ready to put my apron on. Okay. I am ready to like sprinkle some flour on the table and get to kneading. I like, and, and, and I don't, Feel any shame about it because that is what the women in my life have done. Like you know, my grandma taught me how to bake, and those are some of my most cherished moments with her—making pies, making cookies, making doughs of all sorts. You know, and and I, and I felt some shame about that for a while, and now I'm like, no, the most important women in my life ingrained these things into me, and I'm proud of it. Like I, I'm proud to have these passions. So. Yeah. Yeah. make some, some Dutch baby pancakes on the weekend. (laughs) Yum.
0: I love a Dutch baby pancake. Right. And some (laughs) of the most mundane things are the most beautiful, like heartfelt moments. Mm -hmm. You know, I like, I, I literally feel like I'm in like at like a backyard barbecue, like you can hear, you can smell and it just feels closest. There's no other worries in the world about work or whatever. I think, I mean, I don't know if you agree with this, but do you feel like sometimes, I mean, granted, it's the modern world we live in. We have social media. It's like, go, go, go. A lot of things are more accessible than they used to be. You know, we can travel and do all the things. Um, But, and, and sometimes I feel like with, as an artist too, like we are always researching and consuming so we can like you know, use up life and and give it back and like create it into something that I think sometimes it wears us out where we just need to just be, just bake some damn cookies and call Mm -hmm. it a day.
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like though in those moments, that's where I have my most like profound creative ideas. And even in my daily practices, like for example, I, um, I consider like fashion to be a creative outlet for myself, you know? Oh yes. I love watching, looking at your outfits. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Like I'm not like a blogger or anything. I'm like a fashion blogger, but it's like, I'm intentional about what I wear because it's an outlet for me. But the moments when i like have an event to go to and I'm worked up about the outfit, I'm like, Oh my God, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? I, it, I never like it. I never like what I wear. I end up not feeling comfortable at the end of the day, but in the moments where I'm just like relaxed and being like, Hmm, maybe this, maybe this could be fun with this and I don't put any pressure onto it. And I'm not trying to look a certain way or fit a certain mold. I just throw something on and I'm like, Oh, I really did that. Like, you know, this is a nice outfit. So I feel like you need those moments. You need to create from like a place of stream of consciousness in order to really tap into what your true vision is. Because when you're consuming, 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 and you're like, I I gotta make it look like this. I gotta do it this way. It's not really your voice. It's like Mm -hmm. your voice comes out when you're just like, oh, well, I have some time to think about this. So let's see where it goes. Yeah. It's almost like quieting
0: every, all the noise around you down so you can hear your own voice come through
1: yeah yeah i don't even remember what podcast i was listening to but they were essentially saying that like at at some point too much consumption is is the block you know where so many of us especially as creatives we're like we got six pinterest boards open because we're like i need inspiration i need inspiration (sighs) it's like no you're actually like procrastinating and preventing yourself from coming up with your own idea so close the Pinterest board and just sit with yourself for a little bit
0: yeah more time for that can I have you read one more before we close out yeah I uh, wanted this one to be the last one let's see
1: surprising to you ever now uh, oh this one's so cute <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying because it's all my little baby pictures.
0: I know. It's so cute. I love the video that accompanies it. I am I will put these in the um, show notes, the ones that you read, so people can see the videos, too.
1: Yeah. Well, shout out to my mom because she was really killing it with the outfits when I was a child. Okay, I'll read this one. Here's what I needed to hear when I was six. Take the nap. Build more castles. Tear them down. Run with boys. Scrape your knees. Remember your grandmother's lullabies. Here's what I needed to hear at 16. Don't hide from the sun. Don't pretend to be drunk. Believe in every dream. It's okay that you aren't good at science. Everyone hates being 16. Run from boys. Use your voice. Hold your friend's hand. Hug your mom. Forgive yourself. Go to every school dance. Here's what I thought was true at 22. Broken hearts last forever. Kindness is naive. Labels make things complicated. Be available. Be his peace. Here's what I knew was wrong at 23. Dating so many Scorpios. Hating a body that's serving me. Prioritizing money over mental health. Friends who laugh at you. Cheap frying pans. Lipstick feminism. Beer. Here's what I wanted to know at 18. Who am I? Which way? What's next? Why me? Here's what I learned last week. I know nothing about everything, but still have everything I need. Freedom begins when it's no longer a goal. Forgiveness is release. Art heals, so does sleep. God lets me call her me.
0: That one makes me so happy. It's like all the stages of your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels so relatable as a woman. And I love the play with boys run from boys. (laughs) (laughs) But also that like things keep unfolding. And Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, you're going to be writing a different one in 20 something years from now, about what you know, you probably still don't know, but all the things
1: that unfolded then. Yeah, that actually be really interesting in a few years to redo this and see how my thoughts have changed. I'm sure I'll hold on to some things. But you know, I'm sure I'll let go of others. Same way I'll let go of all those Scorpios. I'm standing for <laughs> <in> that. Matt. <laughs> Sorry, <no thanks. laughs> I am married to a Scorpio. <laughs> yeah, wait, okay, wait. So what what are what's your sign? Are you a water sign also? I'm an Earth. I'm a Virgo. Um uh, okay. Okay, that yeah. makes
0: sense. Yeah. I actually don't have hardly I'm so I'm a rising Leo. I have a lot of fire in my chart. My moon's in Sag. I have a lot of Sag. Like I have other planets in Sag. I have hardly any water. I actually need water. So I think it kind of works.
1: Yeah, I'm a Cancer. And Cancers are notoriously drawn to Scorpios, but I don't know a single Cancer that has made it work with a Scorpio. So if that, if you're out there and you're a Cancer who has made it work with a Scorpio, good on you. You're one <laughs> of the lucky ones. <laughs> you need each other to unfold something to go on to the next relationship. Right, yeah. <laughs> No, I'm done with my Scorpio days, so (laughs) never again. Never again. Never again. again.
0: (laughs) What's your, uh, what's your guy's sign?
1: He's a Pisces. So I'm still in the water, I'm still in the water sign like era. Uh, uh, Me and my friends have this joke because a lot of my friends are water signs where we like, we have like hashtag water sign only because my best friends are Pisces, my like partners are Pisces, everyone I love dearly is either a water sign or an earth sign. So except for my best friend who is a Gemini, but we we won't get into that. I could sit and talk about astrology all day, but that's for another episode.
0: Yeah. We'll bring you back and we'll have an astrology chat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I also love talking about astrology, but this was so much fun. You are such a magical, inspiring human being. I can't wait for people to listen to your episode. Thank you so much for being on. Can you um, tell people where they can find you if you are still on social media?
1: (laughs) I am still on social media for now. So you can find me on Instagram at editorial. It's spelled E-D-I-T-A-U-R-I-A-L. You can also find me on my website, which is editorial.com. Um, I have a TikTok, but I've never used it. I deleted the app because I was like, you're not going to get me twice. You already got me with the Instagram thing. You're not going to get me here too. So it's just Instagram and my website for now. Um, but maybe yeah. in the future, you'll be having to write me letters in the mail because I'll be logged off for good.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll have to, um, yeah, and if you're in New York, the New York area, make sure you
1: hit up one of her workshops. I host monthly workshops, and I will share that information on my website and on my social media, so you can find that there. Um, but otherwise, that's it for me. Yay. So I end
0: each episode with a passing of the note. So my previous guest gave me a quote or some inspirational, uplifting thing for you. To kind of pass to you um this is from amanda perez she's an actress and director originally from new york uh, but lives in la now she said wanted to share with you her miracle mantra um Mm. there is only a stream of well-being that flows you can allow it or resist it but it flows just the same and that's from abraham hicks and it kind of reminds me of the way that you live your life you flow
1: Yeah, I am. I'm definitely water. And I <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. I hope this was as fun for you as it was for me.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I loved it. This is the best way to end my night.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Notes with Friends podcast hosted by me, Jody Moore-Lewis. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. It helps boost the show and the charts. Also, shout out to you-know-who, RoboPop, Dan Emilio for my music. And we're going to be back for another one next week, y'all. So stay tuned. Friday's your new favorite day. Bye-bye.